What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, February 27th, 2022, and this week's episode, Covington and Masvidal and the Talk. We'll be talking about the latest in MMA news, a stacked weekend that saw events from both UFC and Bellator. We'll talk about the latest around in the mixed martial arts world, some big fights getting moved around, some new changes possibly coming for a notable promotion, and of course we'll address some of the changes stemming from some of the uh, world news that we'll be getting into closer to the end of the program. And of course we will cap it off by talking about it, the grudge match at UFC 272, Jorge Masvidal against Colby Covington. It's going to be a good one. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. We got a we got a busy card today, a busy uh, episode today, right? <laughs> it is. It was one of those. As I was going, I was like, "This like stuff we'd be talking about. It's a. It's kind of a big deal, you know. It's like yeah. we, we we got a lot of things to do. So let's get right into it, huh? I mean, yep. let's start with the main event. So obviously, last night UFC Vegas forty nine, Islam Mahachev taking on short notice replacement Bobby Green. And Natalie, there was a lot of talk, you know, how's Bobby going to look, the size, the weight, all this other stuff, the, you know, just Bobby's swagger, you know, he, he's like hands at his hips naturally anyway. So what was that going to do against uh, Islam Mahachev? And the answer was not much. Islam, I, I felt like they were still feeling out. I will say I thought that Bobby looked more comfortable those opening minutes. I was actually rather impressed with how much, um, how long he was able to keep it on the feet. I felt like he did make Islam have to uh, work for that first one just a little bit. Um, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, George St. Pierre uh, defending takedowns out there. But the fact is, the second Islam got him on the ground, it was all systems go. Um, very, as we call in the mixed martial arts circle, uh, that was a smashing. If I may say so myself. And that was just an easy dub for number 10 in a row for Mahachev. What were your thoughts? Oh, yeah. It, it was pretty much what we said would happen when we when we re- previewed this last week. Except I think we both... Well, actually, what did you pick? Because I, I picked a rear naked choke. I gave. I went for the smashing. Yeah, you did, right? So I I did, okay, so yes. you're totally right on. <laughs> exactly as you predicted. Uh, went down. You know, Bobby Green had all the best of intentions. He knew what he was up against and uh, did did good enough things coming off the short notice, into it short notice, but, you know, Makachev just took advantage of, you know, his, the, the skill set differential. He took advantage of it, jumped right in, did his thing, and, you know, he kind of just chose to finish it that way and could have could have done any other op, any of the options within his uh, his playbook, but yeah, made pretty quick work of Bobby Green. The good thing for Bobby Green is he took this fight on short notice. UFC loves that, probably yeah. And and coming off of a of a great win and taking a fight on short notice against someone that a lot of people don't want to fight. So even though he lost the fight, you know you you walk out of there if you're Bobby Green with your head held head held high, knowing you've made some good inroads with the UFC. You got a, a look at Islam. You, you have a taste for it. Should you ever get a rematch? You know, you got some uh, 
yeah, you have some software uh, that you can tap into there. And uh, like, you know, it was short notice, so you can't beat yourself up too bad about it. And so for Islam, he asked for a title shot. Uh, will he be denied? I doubt it. Yeah, um, on the Bobby Green thing, I mean, he's kind of entering uh, Jim Miller, Clay Guida, Donald Cerrone territory. Win some, lose some. UFC kind of just is like, look, as long as you're not asking to break the bank after so many fights with the company, we're we're in the Bobby Green business, and rightfully so. He he was a great television um, leading up. He's been great tele- television this past year. I always say. In the era of Zoom interviews and Zoom media days, Bobby Green has hands down the most memorable one. If you don't find it, find a clip of it. I promise you. I I, I will stand by that statement as the guy who... I'll say it. I think I've done the most out of anybody in the business. But uh, yeah, just saying. <laughs> um, Mahachev, I mean, uh, he's saying that Dana called Habib to tell Habib that Islam was getting the next shot at the title... Um, already hearing about rumors of October, Abu Dhabi, and all this other stuff. Um, if there's one knock on Islam, he hasn't fought like top five guys to get to ten a, a ten fight win streak. That is not completely his fault. Uh, I believe Dan Hooker is his highest ranked opponent. Tiago Moises was a little lower. He was supposed to get. I believe seven fight win streak. Benil Dariush, and uh, obviously Benil got hurt. Um, Rafael dos Anjos. I think they tried three times to make that fight happen. Uh, it just wasn't in the cards. I will say now he's done exactly what you're supposed to do. You get an opportunity, you go out there, and you look like a guy who is above their level in the opponents he's faced. He's done that, so. I personally, I love Islam moving up for the storylines. You obviously, you know, we didn't get Habib versus Charles Oliveira. It just, uh, this kind of sells itself. Habib 2.0 going out there possibly against Charles. Or a scenario you have Justin Gaethje who lost obviously to Habib. Now can Islam do the same thing? Redemption for Gaethje. Either way, you cut this one. It's a good storyline and it's obviously two elite fighters for the title later this year after already going to be a good fight between charles and justin so either way you skin it i love it what about you yeah i can't i can only agree that that's that's exactly where islam finds himself where the ufc finds themselves with this triumvirate of you know charles justin islam Conor McGregor is sort of still barking in the periphery about, you know, wanting the next title shot, you know, regardless of how he went out in the last fight, like it's just, he hasn't done enough to get a title shot. The name Conor McGregor isn't enough right now to get him a straight up title shot upon his return. So, so I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, those three at the top, that's a, that's a good story right there. Yeah, for sure. I'm ready for it. Um, obviously, we've got to wait till May to get the uh, to get the first uh, do- the other domino to fall and figure out who it's going to be between Charles and Dustin. But obviously, it's going to be a good fight when we get there. Uh, there's some good highlights I want to mention. Uh, Wellington Terman gets the armbar on Misha Serkinov. 
Misha being, you know, more of a, re- you know, more of the grappler of the two, I think. Uh, just look, he's more experienced. Obviously, Wellington is newer. Trained to Glover Tashira, who we'll talk about in a sec. Um, yeah, very impressive. Uh, T-Rex McKinney doing T-Rex McKinney things. Another first round finish. I think they said that a lot of his fights combined don't even crack two minutes in terms of first round finishes. So he got another one. Continues his ascent as one of the top prospects. And uh, yeah, the other one, Armin Sarukian taking out Joel Alvarez. Armin, not for nothing, a previous victim of Mr. Mahachev. So yeah, it just kind of makes that particular victory age like fine wine for Islam. And you know what? A good performance by Armin. What about, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Wellington Terman, uh, that was a that was a crazy first uh, two rounds there. He had an advantage. Shirkinov turned it around at the end of round one, or in the middle of round one with some ground and pound. Like it looked like it was going uh, Misha's way at the start of two. Uh, even I think Bisping, Michael Bisping, commented, you know, Terman looks exhausted. He gassed himself out. Uh, Misha goes in for a takedown, and boom, just. Wellington locks in that that sneaky armbar like I couldn't even see it from the the original broadcast angle uh, so that was a great win for him uh, Mr. Joel Alvarez that was I gotta tell you man I've you know you watch MMA you watch boxing you see a lot of blood but that had to be the most I've seen the way it was just covering his his back his shoulders um, it was an excessive amount of blood not the most but it was up there um the only other thing I'll say about that is the cut men, man, they always are like, they have like one tiny square towel. And it's like, <laughs> dude, y'all need to bring a bucket of towels because like they never have enough to wipe the blood off. Never, never, never. And it drives me nuts. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, it's only for their face, you know, it's not supposed dude, to be freaking... to clean up bring Annabelle or <laughs> yeah, all this stuff, you know. Yeah, freaking what, what's the one I'm thinking of? Carrie, I think. There it is. Yeah, but Carrie, um, uh, yes, yes. So the, yeah, that the bloody one. Yeah. yeah, it's not like they're trying to clean up that. It's just supposed to be, you know, that 12 or so inches of, you know, your face, forehead, nose, cheeks, and get yeah, rolling. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, that that was a bloody one. He, he had a... And it's always from, like, the smallest cuts on the forehead. I it's, know. <laughs> it's it's one of those weird things of the sport. Yeah, so uh, look, a fun broadcast. There's uh, the women, the women's fights last night really brought it. Um, Robocop and uh, I believe Petrosian, they had a good one. So as a broadcast, yeah. it was a really good night. I know that there was a lot, a lot of people had it circled. I think that that was one of the more interesting non-title headliners, you know, non-pay-per-view headliners. Um, with Benil and Islam, but I think people, if you're a fan, you're still happy with your night of action overall. So this is good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk about uh, obviously Glover Tashira dropped the bomb that his uh, I guess not a bomb. I'm gonna avoid those metaphors for now. But the fact is, he dropped some news that his fight was getting moved from May to June. Uh, we'll discuss that in a second because I want to go back to actually Friday where we had a Bellator in Ireland, in Dublin. And my goodness, uh, the broadcast, 
they kind of do their best, but you know it can't do it justice. They're obviously a very, very passionate crowd, and you could really feel that. And you had an interesting middleweight title fight. You had Gegard Mousasi taking on Oster Vanderford, who is probably unjustly always referred to as Paige Van Sant's husband. But you're talking about a guy I believe was undefeated going into it, certainly on a great win streak. Um, one of the considered one of the biggest snubs of Dana White's contender series to not get a contract, and uh, Gegard Mousasi getting older. Could this be the time? This young, athletic, powerful, physical grappler. Is it, you know, we know that's given Gegard. If there's anyone who's given him problems, it's been a strong athletic grappler and certainly these more explosive opponents. And Gegard Mousasi goes out there, defends the takedown, um, essentially takes advantage of the position and takes out Austin in the first round. And he looks like he's kind of gotten, having the Jose Aldo effect. He's somehow aging in reverse. Uh, I was very impressed. That was not supposed to look as easy as he made it. It definitely wasn't. It was Gegard just made mincemeat out of him. Like just pure, just like it's like a, the big brother, you know, beating up the little brother's bully. Like it was, it, it, there was like almost, it was almost personal. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, you don't, you don't have to love your opponent, but like there was just something about like he was trying to make a statement, not necessarily to Austin Vanderford, but I think to the division, to Bellator, to MMA, like guys, I'm still the SHIT. Check this out, you know, <laughs> and it sucks for the uh, for the Vanderford Van Zant family right now. You know, they're <laughs> they're a little bit uh, in the they're not they haven't had too many uh, entries in the win column, but that's okay. If I'm Austin Vanderford. That's a that's that's not a good way to lose, right? You want to at least get in there, do some work, take damage. Fine, everybody does, but you want to cause damage too. You want to make a good impression. You want to test yourself. Like this was just annihilation. So back to the drawing board. But for Gegard, yeah, man, that's great. That's a huge, huge moment for him. Good job. If I'm not mistaken, I read that that was uh, 12 victories in his last 13. Some kind of stat like that. I mean, yeah, his only hiccup, um, going back, by the way, to his time in the UFC, where if you're being honest, he probably was one and two with Yoel Romero for a title shot. Um, His only hiccup was a five rounder that went to the limit against Lovato Jr., who obviously we know uh, had his health issues, may come back, but that's not confirmed as of yet. Um, Yeah, and, and you know what, for Gegard, I have to pull up his age, but... You know, he essentially discussed it. He said, look, I do believe I'm the world's best middleweight right now. He's saying he's saying all the right things. Like, I, if it was me versus Adesanya, I do believe I could be the middleweight to take out Adesanya and all this other stuff. And, you know, look, he's saying what you're supposed to. Of course, you're going to say, yeah, if we did ever get that fight, of course I would get him. But I do like his quote. He's always very... um. He has a good way of expressing these things that in a way that it's not just that it's genuine, but it's just so clever. So he said, it's like, oh, you know, like, what if I, they asked him like, well, what if you fought Adesanya? And then he's like, oh, of course I'd love to. But that's also saying like, I'd love to be Santa Claus. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I was, I was like, all right, that's fair. And, you know, but look, I mean, 
top middleweight. Do I think that he could still do some work if he came back to the UFC? Absolutely, but once again, that's like also pretending that you can uh, make the pigs fly from the farm. So uh, I think the best thing I could say is that I do think that he still causes problems for some high-level athletes and some highly regarded fighters. Natalie, I'll say it. He said that he's looking at reevaluating whether he wants to can you continue fighting at the end of this year. I think Gega Musasi against the winner of Corey Anderson and Vadim Nemkov. Why not? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a little more room to do this creative matchmaking at Bellator because it's a little top heavy, right? We have big, big, bigger names at the top. Some, and then it's kind of just like a, a feeder system for as far as opponents go when you're a champion. So, yeah, sometimes it makes sense to, to go looking upward to a different weight class. So I got no problems with that. I can't complain. I mean, I feel like they can make some stuff happen at 185, find somebody else if that's what he wants to do later in the year. But I feel like he's one of those guys, he won't cut much weight as a 205er. Like, he'll be able to do the cut to 185 again if he took the 205 fight next. He might try to just fight one more 85 and just say, look, the last one, that's it. I'm done cutting weight. Let's do 205. But... Yeah, it depends on scheduling, it depends on all that, but I think that honestly, like, if you're going to go out big and Bellator wants to honor it, knowing he's possibly retiring, give him the shot. He's also, you know, not defended, one of them was vacant, but he has turned away two welterweight champions that moved up to try to get him. I think it's only right that he gets the shot now. And yeah, considering the lack of, uh, you know, a real standout now at 185, I don't see why they wouldn't do it. I think it would be great for Corey, and I think it would be great for Vadim, and great for Gegard. So, win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, to talk about that co-main event, so uh, I felt like this was a setup for Leah McCourt, and uh, Miss Sinead Kavanaugh did not get the memo. Um, Leah, like, I, I know we don't talk about her a lot, but I think that Aside from Katzengano, she's kind of been the girl that Bellator has been developing to get there. Um, Windstreak uh, has done some of the desk work for Bellator. Um, gotten some good matchups, I think, that really are, are notable for people who haven't fought Cyborg yet. Sinead Kavanaugh was coming off that first round knockout loss. Um, we talked about it. Look, she hasn't had this lights out record. And it just felt like, okay, you know, the two Irish girls, you know, you have one, title eliminator. And then Leah McCourt just does this thing, you know, she survives the first round. You know, Kavanaugh has the knee injury and Leah McCourt just doesn't take advantage. And I felt that that was a little close to um, letting Sean O'Malley up after he's broken his ankle kind of levels from it. I was really just perplexed by the tactical errors out there from Leah I felt like that was just considering that you're probably next for Chris Cyborg considering Kedzingano is gonna fight Pam Sorensen now and not the title fight I was just very uh shocked to say the least and then really uh Scott Coker doubled down on me and he said that not only that we're probably if Sinead is healthy we're going to commit to a rematch, Sinead Kavanaugh against Chris Cyborg, even though Chris Cyborg just handled business about three months ago. 
I'm sorry, I got very passionate. Well, I hear you though, because that's the sort of you know going to Gayguard moving up to 205. It's 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 a similar problem. You know, it's a bigger problem with uh, the 145 division um, at Bellator at any at you know at the UFC too for for the women. It's just there's slim pickings, and if you know, yeah, the the Sean O'Malley reference is hilarious. Also, because I don't remember the opponent, but like everyone remembers that moment. Even Dana White was like, "That kid is ridiculous. Why didn't he take <laughs> advantage of Sean O'Malley's injury?" So yeah, Leo McCourt gives up a great opportunity there to finish a fight in a in a, in a spectacular fashion and a entertaining fashion, whatever you may, whatever you could have seen that fight go, how that fight could have gone. But the opportunity to get the title shot, like there, it was just right there for the taking, right? And so the fact that Scott Coker's saying. Kavanaugh is going to be the next to fight Chris Cyborg after just losing to her in December. Um, they just got no one else. That's it. And it is what it is. Now, if I'm Chris Cyborg, um, I'm not I'm not feeling too bad about it. Like, of course, you want to test yourself and stuff, but against new opponents. But if I'm her, I'm like, look, it's not my fault that the division in general across all promotions is hard to to fatten up because there just aren't a lot of skilled uh, female fighters at this weight class. And that it just is what it is, man. Like at a certain point, we just have to accept that. Like that's a part. I mean, I don't know what you would, you'd have to start building fighters now as their kids uh, to get, to get like a healthy division in any weight class. And like every time we talk about this, we always reference Bellator as being the one that has the most at 145, but even they can't get, a new opponent for Chris Cyborg. So it's just a tough road ahead for 145 and any MMA promotion as far as female fighters go. And, uh, you know, the fact that Scott Coker's already saying it's going to be Kavanaugh, like, that's telling you they have literally nobody else. Like, he could have waited and said, oh, we'll think about it, because sometimes he does. Nah, he's just like, oh, yeah, the one that Chris Cyborg just beat, it's her again. I mean, it's just a odd thing I, I scott coker implied as much hinted at there was some kind of roadblock in negotiating and that's why we're not getting a cyborg versus katzengano next uh cyborg said that's that's obviously um the number one choice but if this falls apart uh i'll rematch arlene blanco who also got handled by cyborg arlene has come back and i will uh take one I will say in hindsight, didn't work out, but I feel like they tried to put over Pam Bam Sorensen, the former Invicta champion who signed with them, and she lost to Blanco. And it was kind of like, okay, well, let's beef up the division, new blood for Cyborg, a former Invicta champ, which we're saying that Invicta still has, you know, the best development and, you know, building female talent, especially at featherweight apart from Bellator. And, you know, that kind of, uh, it, it didn't work out in that way. Is it unfortunate? Yes. I do think a couple of those are just, you know, the best laid plans kind of deal. But yeah. then I will go on to say that it's just um, a variety of factors. It's not just the dominance of Cyborg. It's not just uh, maybe the wrong people got matched up with the wrong people um, If when you're trying to build it. Um just uh, timing and everything, you know. And then, you know, once again, you, you don't know who wins the fight. That's why they fight the fights, because you don't know what happens when they go out there. 
But yeah, um, considering that Cyborg said she... I think it's something along the lines of she has till the end of this year, but she's still obligated to at least one more fight overall. Mm -hmm. I found that very interesting. Because I think when you think about, well, where are we at with Kayla Harrison? Where are we at with everything? I mean, um, I'll say it. So we were talking about what would happen with Megan Anderson and, you know, join PFL, join Bellator, waiting for Kayla. Megan Anderson posts, uh, you know, I not only am I not with a, not assigned to anybody, I'm not even looking for a fight contract. I'm happy with life. I'm not even, she's not even with the gym right now is what she posted. And I'm like, wow, these uh, quote unquote things we were expecting haven't played out the way we thought they would. So Chris Cyborg, you know, in MMA, look, the only thing she really could have to regain was, was always the rematch with Amanda. She has been winning for so long. The loss to Amanda is still her only one really in years. I mean... If Chris Cyborg says, I want to try to box somebody because I'm done in Bellator, like in the cage, I think that's fair. I think the business has proven it hasn't been able to get somebody new for her. I think that that's just kind of it for Cyborg. I think she's going to rematch Blanco or I don't know. They might try to. I need to double check when it's the Zingano fight with uh, Sorensen, but it's like. I mean, we're, we're looking for a new contender and it's like, well, how long does Cyborg want to wait? Because I also feel like she's also like, hey, look, like, I don't want to just burn a couple extra months waiting for you to give me somebody. I, I'd rather fight sooner rather than later. So, yeah, we have a lot to figure out there at Bellator. What are your uh, final thoughts? Well, yeah, and it's too bad that Katzingano fight isn't able to be booked, you know, sooner. But I get if I'm Katzingano man, like, it is still Chris Cyborg, and, like, you've only... Now, she had two fights now, Bellator, or still just that one? I believe it's two, yeah. Okay, so... Three's not two, you know, on your third fight to fight Chris Cyborg, that's not unheard of, especially, again, as, you know, we say this, these uh, 145 divisions are hard to ma- to make matches for. So that's a bummer, dude, because that's really the only like legacy fight left for Chris Cyborg. She's not going to be able to fight Nunez. That's not going to happen. And so the only other big name from the heyday is Kat Zingano. And it would be a good, a great matchup. You know, you get some eyeballs. And Zingano looked, looked pretty good. I've only seen her first fight at Bellator, so now that I realize she had two. Um, she looked pretty good there. It was tough. She had some uh, some jitters to overcome, but... That's an exciting fight, and if if you really feel like Chris Cyborg isn't likely to wait, and you know to sit on her haunches waiting for just the right opponent, then yeah, it looks like we could be seeing some more changes. I wonder though, what do you think if if Chris Cyborg leaves 145, if she leaves Bellator and retires, do you think Bellator keeps that division going? Like, is there enough left? Felicia Spencer's gone. Megan Anderson, now you're telling me, isn't going to return. Nunez is, you know, well, she's still fighting, but we don't know what she's going to do. Kayla Harrison, of course. But if I'm Bellator, like, is it worth keeping that division around just for the biggest name then would be Kat Zingano? So when you do, we have the old guard and the new guard, right? And the mm-hmm. old guard, uh, Cyborg, Amanda, 
and and I'm talking about superstars, right? And now, you yeah. know, the search for someone new, you know, Megan, Felicia didn't quite pan out, probably like people thought a couple of years ago, right? If they were going to take the torch kind of deal. Yeah. So what I would say is that someone new will come around eventually, you know, if Kayla Harrison takes the torch wherever she goes and then, you know, there's always the next one. Uh, if you build it, they will come. What I will say is that I would not be surprised if Bellator feels like they almost... I don't want to say, but it almost feels like they are kind of keeping it around just as a courtesy rather than like, hey, look, there's big bucks right now at women's featherweight. Yeah. Just because, you know, it's been a struggle to find somebody and it always has been. And in today's landscape where you have competing promotions for arguably the smallest pond in mixed martial arts it's difficult and yeah do i believe there will be another featherweight girl to come in and do her thing and you know she's just you know she's probably like what 12 13 right now or i'll say let me bump it up like 16 17 we just don't know who she is yet and in about five six years she's going to be the next thing Possibly. But you're talking about a business that is saying, hey, look, we're going to be struggling to find someone like that for the next half a decade. That's a tough thing for any business. So will they keep it around? Possibly. But if things kind of continue on course, I'm not going to lie. It doesn't look good. But uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at with that. I think uh, wait and see. Uh, The cat and... um, Pam fight is in two weeks. I just checked March 12th. So first round finish, quick turnaround. Could Cat still be next for um, Cyborg? Possibly, but uh, that's just asking a lot, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, I, I just don't see a quick turnaround happening. It could. I just don't predict it happening. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, Like I said, Bellator is still looking to, you know, pick up steam as March and April start rolling around and certainly to May. Uh, To go back to scheduling, because that's actually going to be quite a bit of the talk for the next couple minutes. Um, Glover Tashira and Jir Prohashka, the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship, they were set. And I realize I wrote this down incorrectly, so sorry, Natalie. Um, They were on the May pay-per-view with Charles and Justin. Now they've been pushed back to June. So UFC 275. So yeah, so um, this was dropped during the uh, broadcast on Saturday, on the Portuguese broadcast. I don't find it surprising, because now that they're not in Brazil, I think that there was just less urgency to keep the brazilian champions together and really deliver in that particular way but i will say that this did make me think like hmm are they uh are they looking to kind of now spread the schedule around because as i always say it's not just about you know who's the main event and this and that it's about the pairing of the title fights like, for example, we've seen Kamaru Usman and Max Holloway on the same card multiple times now. Kind of wouldn't mind them getting them in different times. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, really, one, I was a little disappointed because making us both wait for Glover, who's the oldest UFC champion right now, and wait for Jiri, 
who is now officially crossing the threshold of 12 months since his last fight. Uh, I was a little disappointed, but okay, look, it is what it is, as Mr. Holloway would say. Natalie, what are your thoughts? And most importantly, who do you want to see them pair up with uh, Glover and Jiri? Yeah, so I don't like that they split up the 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 card there because you know that was exciting to me. Of course, in Brazil with two Brazilian champions, ideal. But just because you're not in Brazil doesn't mean you can't have that. But it's a smart business move, right? You still have two big names, title fights. You split them up. You 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 know hopefully draw uh, over half of the eyeballs you would have drawn you know with either one combined. Does that make sense? Anyway, mm-hmm. I think it's a smart business move to, to do it. I don't like it because I would have preferred them on the same card. All that to say is, how should we pair these guys up uh, in their in their respective UFC pay-per-views? Charles and Justin, okay. Who's up is really what the question is, right? Shevchenko? Who did she last fight? Uh, uh, that would have been September. Yeah, see, she could go again. <laughs> what she got going on? You know, uh, okay, if I'm being honest, uh, I almost feel like there's a little something going on. Because uh, if you ask me, I think Valentina is to, on a long extended holiday. I think the fact that we have not heard from her or Rose for that matter yeah. is very perplexing. Because as it starts to roll around, I mean, we're about to hit March. I mean, this is now six months for one of the most dominant champions. I kind of want to hear something. And it might be the fact that, you know, look, Tyler Santos, not this long UFC career. She's 19 and one. I don't know if Valentina is sort of saying like, look, you know, like uh, uh, as always, but more so for Tyler, she's the one with everything to lose. She's giving this young up and comer, younger up and comer, the chance to shock the world. I wouldn't be surprised if Valentina's like, I'll fight her when I feel like it. I've been active. I've been busy. I've been giving people the business. Do I think that they are? that's a good pairing, actually, with Glover and Valentina? Yes, I really do. Um, but yeah, I think that that's what we're seeing with from Flyweight. I think that Valentina's saying, I'll come back when I'm good and ready. And like I told you, she's been living the life back in Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> She knows how to do that. We know fully well, very uh, full well how she can live. She's that got life. like a travel Instagram, like everything. <laughs> she's in like the uh, the traditional garb, and she's uh, at all these nice locales. She's. I'll I'll say this: I wouldn't be in a hurry to get back to the gym in Vegas if I was living her life. Heck no. Yeah, no, of course she's she's given her all to to combat sports, to the UFC, and uh, you know if she wants to take a little break, that's fine. She does always say she never turns down a fight, but if she needs more time, she says, I need more time. So, yeah, it could very well be that she's just got other things going on. And the prospect of coming back earlier than she wants to for, you know, the folks in her division, not that thrilling, right? <laughs> like, yes, okay, Tyler Santos, right. But it's not, it's not you know, Whaley Zhang, Carlos Barza. It's not uh, even... Even Mackenzie Dern, if you're if you're looking at the other at the uh, strawweight division, that's way more exciting. So, okay, fine. She wants to do her thing. That's great. But yeah, I think Valentina Shevchenko's due to return. 
And uh, I, I bet that we see her in one of those two cards now. Okay, it's pretty close to, what are we in, February? The June card. Let's say she'll be in the June card. That's enough time. Yeah. All right, then you yeah. know what? Let's go Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza 2 on the Charles Justin card. That would be freaking amazing. And then you'd I pair love- up the Trevor Whitman guys again. Yeah, well... I mean, at least it's two, not three. Exactly. We don't have to worry about that drama <laughs> this time. You know what? I say make Justin wait for Rose. You know, okay, like, I no, like, that. like, you know what? You're a team player, Mr. Gate. You know, I know he is. They're all tight. They're all nice. I saw them at the MMA Awards. Everyone's nice to each other there. It's not just for show. So, but yeah, I think that that's, you know what? Yeah, I think that's what we're going to see. The May... We'll see the Whitman guys and girls, and then uh, June will get Valentina back against Tyla. So I'm I'm for that. There we go. Uh, some other side news. Um, Triller now owns a major uh, majority stake in Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. So Bare Knuckle president and head honcho Dave Feldman said that business will continue as usual. But this is now, you know, we kind of hit a plateau. We hit our ceiling. Now, with Triller behind us, it's kind of like to grow more of those opportunities and get more attention. But for now, Triller and all that stuff is still their thing. Bare Knuckle is still its own thing. Um, But obviously now we have their money and their backing. And uh, obviously the potential for crossover is endless. We just talked about Mike Perry. Last fight, Triller. This one, Bare Knuckle. I'm assuming there's going to be a lot more of that coming soon. But what were your thoughts on this? I was surprised. I think it's a little too soon for for Dave Feldman to be given up, you know, the majority stake in his company that he nurtured and grew and, you know, pulled out of pulled out all the stops to get, you know, a permit to to have these these Bare Knuckle competitions going down. Um, does it make you know, it, it seems like he just needed money, and this was the only way he was going to get it uh, to to make this deal with Triller. And so, hopefully, for Dave Feldman, it it doesn't blow up in his face, uh, meaning that you know he's able to keep BKFC the way he envisioned it, and to grow it the way he envisioned growing it, and it doesn't that it doesn't take any sideways turns. I don't want to see musical acts. I don't want to see anything that looks or sounds like the Triller productions in interfere in the BKFC uh, shows. Like, you know, I know that they start off a little rough around the edges and they still kind of are, but they're growing, they're improving. I like what they're doing. It's, it's, it's a little niche, you know, section of, of combat sports, but it's fun and they're getting, you know, good fights out of it. They're getting good names. So what I really want is for BKFC to grow the way the, the creator always intended for it to grow. Um, that's it. I, I just, I don't have anything against Triller. I'm just not a huge fan of, of the, let me back up and say they had ambitious goals. Um, they just haven't worked out all the kinks yet. The productions are just not smooth yet and they're trying too hard. They're trying to fit too many, you know, too many thing, too many round pegs into square holes. So they still have work to do. That's all. Yeah, I think with bare knuckle, um, I mean, when you, okay, like more money, what do I expect? Okay, a uh, production value. 
Um, you know, needless to say, it's not exactly, you know, ultra high def 4K broadcast necessarily every time. That's fine. I think fans actually kind of like that, to be quite honest, for that particular show and promotion. Yeah. That being said, I hope that if it, this is serious, okay, you know, like, if you're going to try to draw some of these guys and girls who probably, you know, they're like, look, that's a little too much for the amount of pay I'm getting. I would hope that, hey, if you're looking to make a splash, this is how we're going to, you know, this now gives greater opportunity to do so. So in for Bare Knuckle, I hope that's possible. I mean, what's their biggest fight ever? Uh, Polly Molinaji and Artem Lobov? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm assuming a lot of, you know, particularly gentlemen really tuned in to see Paige Van Zandt and Rachel Ostovich. But I, I think that, you know, there was a genuine hype and heat when they got Artem versus Polly. I hope the I'm not saying like I have that matchup the next one in my mind right now, but I'm hoping the opportunity to create it is what we get from the partnership with Triller. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I am a slightly worried for the new kid on the block because to me, uh, we talked about it. They had a great kickoff. You've noticed they've stopped talking about boxing. When's yeah. the next thriller boxing, you know, pay-per-view boxing? They have like a a a challenger series, like up and comers, and they'll do like, you know, it's a smaller card, smaller venue, not really highly publicized compared to the Jake Paul and all that of old. But you notice they've kind of stopped that and now it's all, you know, triad combat. The next triad combat, triad combat two, which was supposed to happen this weekend got canceled okay you know uh, no talks yet about when or where uh a report was out that possibly you know like surging coronavirus in houston and all that it was at the same venue that the adesanya whitaker fight was going to be at or was at um another note they're not really doing pay-per-view i believe for triad I think that it is a subscribe to Fight TV to watch event, if I'm not mistaken. And it was really like, well, what's what's the next step? And is it really like, because I almost feel like this abrupt change is not, is a big part of why the whole triad combat thing isn't catching on. Because I think people are still like, well, are we going to be boxing? Are you going to get Evander Holyfield, Oscar De La Hoya, who I did see Oscar said, yeah, that's that's not going to happen anymore. But oh, it's like, geez. OK, you know, like, well, where where's the next hook? Now, mind you, if you're just looking to try to get a cash grab and get Kubrat Pulev Jr. Dos Santos, that's a very interesting fight. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's like, well, I don't know. It, it almost feels like the now we're finally running out of gas. Now, is that to say that they can't shock me with something big this summer? No, they absolutely could. But short term, yeah, I will say it's the wind is kind of out of those sails right now. So, yeah, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Like they came out with the Big Bang, all these celebrities, Donald Trump, you know, for these boxing events. And then it just fizzled out fast. Then they had this weird triad combat thing. Like to me, it was strange. I, you know, maybe they had some success. I don't know. It seems really 
it's a head scratcher. Their business has sort of come to a halt, but then they're now buying a majority stake in BKFC, which is a business that has stayed steady. You know, it's not blowing up the pay-per-view box office numbers, but it's, you know, it's getting mentions and, and all the MMA websites, not every card, but a lot of them. They have enough big names there that it gets some attention. So they're doing better than Triller as far as that goes. Um, the Oscar De La Hoya thing is surprising, though. Like, what? <laughs> he made such a big deal about coming back, and then he got COVID, and that's it. He's just done with boxing again. I think he said that he's still struggling a bit post-COVID, like get a strong run in and train hard since then. Um, okay. I heard about, uh, I mean, I don't know if you could still sing karaoke, but that's another story <laughs> yeah. oh, um, i have a single uh Benaki, or no Benami. it's good huh? <laughs> it's a good song it's a good song i mean it's catchy should i sing it for you I uh, <laughs> you know I, I don't think we're there in our relationship no, we're not there yet <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. but i appreciate the sentiment um <laughs> Uh, I've been thinking uh, I knew it was look there's a lot going on and it's important and I want to address it in the right way because I know our show is you know we're here to have fun and talk about a lot of stuff going on and uh, it's not like we've never not been affected by the world events not as just as they seep into combat but every day but um certainly uh my heart goes out to everyone struggling in the Ukraine uh, the people in Russia that don't want uh, conflict. I know, you know, it's uh, it's not like it's a one side completely. And, you know, there's people on both sides of it and people calling just for peace overall. So um, I do want to acknowledge that, you know, a peaceful resolution and a res- resolution that doesn't involve more pain or hardship to anybody is obviously the priority and what's most important. Um, there is some stuff going on that's affecting the MMA world that I want to touch on because I do think it's going to become breaking news as the weeks possibly go on. But I uh, just want to give you a chance if you wanted to say anything before we uh, talk about a couple uh, things, a uh, couple fights and fighters affected. No, man, you said it best and uh, we can just jump right in. Yeah, so uh, probably the most notable Alexander Volkov, who's set to headline the March 19th card, talked that his visa issue, you know, he may not be able to get his visa approved, obviously coming from Russia. Um, I will say, if I hear that a country is going through what both of these countries are going through, I do think uh, getting passports approved for, um, you know, entertainment i know it's a sport and it's his job but you know um he's not a diplomat you know what i mean i do i will say it does not look good for the london headliner he was supposed to fight a local guy tom aspinall coming up um on the card patty pimblett is listed i believe as the second to last fight fighting another guy you know it, it looks like a setup you know good showcase for patty which should be a fun fight you have a contender in Ar- Arnold Allen taking on a vet in Dan Hooker who's coming back to 145 at featherweight. I'm not going to lie. Uh, do they leap out at me as much as, you know, another fight night headliner? No, but I think under the circumstances, especially if they commit to keeping the London card together, that might just be what we see. So I'm going to... Um, 
best wishes, obviously, for Volkov. Obviously, he's not, you know, part of everything going on. He's just uh, doing his thing and trying to have a fight. So I do just send the, the best, you know. I've talked to him, and I know he's trained in California with uh, some of the teams I'm familiar with. So, yeah, I just... um. I'm aware it's just a situation that he's kind of found himself in, not by his own power. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, Bellator champion Yaroslav Amosov uh, from the Ukraine uh, recently wrote that uh, on Instagram, essentially said that while he got his family to a safe zone so they'll be uh, protected, that he is um, going to be uh, taking up arms and helping to defend his homeland and... Uh, he is scheduled, obviously, for a uh, main event in Bellator, a title defense. He's the champion against Michael Venom Page in London in May. Now, um, obviously, uh, what he is going through is very brave and should be com- commended. Um, uh, bluntly, uh, what does this mean for the May event? I don't know. I'm sure Scott Coker and people are asking that. That is not what's most important, I'm sure, to Mr. Amosov, and I respect that, and I'm going to just leave it at that, and rightfully so. Um, I think I I commend him because he's a guy who could most easily probably, uh, look, you know, do what you got to do to take care of your family. This is more important to him, and I I definitely respect that a lot. Yeah, you you know, what's what's happening with folks from Ukraine that, you know, are... Staying or returning to their country to defend it, it's it's really really wild, and you know I think it's impossible for us folks here in our our comfy uh, American homes not to at least put ourselves there for a moment and try to think, man, what would that feel like to have to literally defend your house and, and do whatever you could to to keep your country from being taken over by another country? So it's just heavier than heavy, man. This stuff is. It's just hard to wrap your brain around that this is actually happening. I saw uh, a little bit on NPR or something about the Polish border with Ukraine. And there's people obviously trying to exit Ukraine into Poland. But there are people entering Ukraine from Poland, from all parts of the world that are Ukrainian, that are returning home to defend their country, man. There's a long line of a bunch of men, old gray-haired men, young guys like, just going back home to do that. It's incredible, dude. It's it's sad, but it's it's also heroic and um, you know, you'll, you'll you I know you have more on your list there and there's a few more really notable folks that are doing the same thing. Yeah, uh, the Klitschko brothers, by the way, um Vladimir, the longtime champion and one of the best heavyweights of the modern era and really all time that we've ever seen, joining his brother Vitali who did not get uh quite reached the same heights but notably Vitaly Klitschko who's the mayor of Ki- Kiev Kiev I apologize it used for to be my... it used to say Kiev now they say Kiev I think yeah. everyone's having to get used We're to the learning. change yeah, yeah but um look he's the mayor of this town and um yeah, I'm gonna just say it like wouldn't it be amazing just say hey you know what everybody just gotta throw hands with the Klitschkos no guns oh psh, this might be over by Monday you know, yeah. um, but look, uh, in all seriousness, much respect to him and them and um, at great personal risk, I understand. So definitely incredible. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko, who I believe, I don't know if it was agreed to, but he is certainly in talks to fight George Cambosos, unified lightweight champion. This is not a small fight. 
He's looking to reclaim all the belts he lost to Teofimo Lopez. And he's out there, I just saw the picture posted, him returning home to his native Ukraine to do what he's doing and just, um, just what it means to people. And not just people, but celebrity. Like, the Klitschko brothers have made money. They don't need to do that. Uh, Lomachenko could come to California and train and do his thing. He doesn't have to do this. Wow. Just, um, my heart goes out to them. My respect and just, uh prayers really because as we talk about it's just an incredible thing to just imagine as i'm sure you you feel too yeah absolutely it's man it's just it's just so heavy it's it's uh like i said it's hard to wrap your brain around it yeah no well certainly uh we'll keep an eye on it as things affect the mma world i mean certainly we, we will discuss it but um yeah, I know a lot of fans, you know, you come in like we all do. Um, there's only so much you can take on a, any given day. So if you are listening, especially if you got this far into the episode. Um, yeah, we definitely have uh, some stuff to talk about. And I think, you know, maybe people could use a little bit of something not so heavy to get their minds off things for a little while. Don't you think, Natalie? I think that's exactly think so. what the doctor ordered. We're going to start mm-hmm. from the bottom up for this coming weekend. The grudge match is obviously headlining it, but we have the Battle of the Raphaels in the co-main event. Um, obviously, it was pushed back about, you know, a week because it was supposed to headline this past Saturday. Or sorry, two Saturdays ago, two weeks. Anyway, we now have it. Rafael Dos Anjos coming back for the first time since 2019. Rafael Fiziev looking to get the biggest victory of his career. In the Battle of the Hafaels, who do you see taking this one? It's got to be Fazeev. You know, RDA's been gone for a long time, and he's one of those guys that was aging backwards. He always looks in great shape, amazing cardio, great movement. Like, you know, he's just really been maintaining his, his level for a long time. Now, he's had a couple of road bumps there with some really tough opponents. But Fazeev's on the rise. Fazeev's got that great stand-up game. I was rewatching his fight against Brad Riddell, that crazy spinning back kick that just sent Riddell to another dimension. For me, Fazeev's going to get the job done. He's going to stay patient, and I think he's, you know, stay patient, do his stand-up. He's not like the kind of guy that moves around so much. Like when I think of RDA who bounces around a lot, that's not Fazeev. He's a little more stable, a little more steady, but he has the power and he has the skills. He just has to find the right opportunity. So I think he's going to be able to catch RDA. Um, I'm not sure how, but I think he is going to be able to, to catch him, stop him. And uh, I think RDA is going to be tricky to figure out at first because of how much he moves. So I think it's going to take Fazeev a little bit of time. I'm going to predict uh, round three TKO. Yeah, I think uh, notably, remember, they're keeping it as a five-rounder, which I think is a very interesting element of this one for both men. Um, Something for me, uh, that I know a lot of people talk about the Bobby Green Fazeev fight because it was so much fun. That fight with Brad Riddell was sneaky good. Both of Mm -hmm. them, I believe, they trained together. They knew each other. They're both solid strikers. They're both very technical, very just knowledgeable guys on the feet. Um, so for Fazeev to do what he did, it, it was just all the more impressive. 
Um, for Dos Anjos, he's kind of like Gago Musasi and Jose Aldo. It's like he kind of is just still there and still fighting these high-level guys and giving them the business too. Um, not quite as consistently in uh, recent years. He he has um, honestly he has the most difficult schedule between lightweights and welterweights that he's taken on like in the last yeah. twenty fights. It's ridiculous. I will say one of the X factors, the grappling of Dos Anjos. He's a very technical striker. Everything back to the chamber with his guard up, um, his leg kicks when he gets them going like he did against Nate Diaz. We know they could do damage. But it's the grappling, his ability to wrestle and his ability to grapple when he's on top of you. I think that's the biggest X factor because he's not a slouch on the feet. He's a tough guy. He's never struggled with the cardio in five rounds um former welterweight i know he wasn't the biggest one but you gotta think a bit of the physicality could go his way i think though that the youth and the explosiveness of fazeev is really the key he's got that speed he's a very accomplished guy himself i think that if you're gonna get a guy like dos Anjos, this is kind of the time um, I, I just think that his speed and his ability to get in and out is going to be there. I, I, I have to double check which team Fazeev is in. I want to say he's part of the Thailand team with like Hamzad and Pewter. I don't want to confirm that yet. But I mean, the fact is he comes, I know he comes from a great camp, not quite as famous as, you know, the top teams and kickboxing academy and trevor women and all that but he's from a great team overseas that you know they are ready to sprawl and brawl and don't grab you know stay off the fence and don't get uh pinned down with dos Anjos. so i think he's going to be well prepared dos Anjos is a tough out for anybody but i'm with you i'm gonna go fazeev uh for the win you know what I'm going to go fourth round. I think okay. uh, give RDA the benefit. He, he It's never been easy for anybody, and that's not going to change this week. Okay, so. I like it. There we go. I got to tell you, though, before you move on, I didn't realize I forgot Fazeev is from also from Kyrgyzstan, like my favorite fighter, Valentina Shevchenko. Um, imagine Double G if they had a baby together. <laughs> what would that baby be like? Yeah, I mean, I'm you see, left field, totally left field. But I'm just looking at this guy, and I'm thinking about Shevchenko. They don't have to get married, but if they had a baby together, holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what makes you think that. Uh, I don't know. Valentina's a woman of the world. I think that if she decides that she wants to give her time and you know attention to a gentleman, she has her pick of a lot more than just the guys in Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> Oh, of course. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know. Like, I mean, there's a lot she, of... Yeah, she's been around the world. There's plenty of fish in the sea. There's However, a lot of talented strikers she can find, Natalie. They're both in the UFC. They both tiger Muay, train at Tiger Muay Thai. Like, it's just it's just right there, man. It's just right there. They, they, just, re- they just relate to each other. It's, <laughs> it's very romantic. I can see that uh, Valentine's Day is still... Uh, Still in over deep you. in my soul, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, one of the more memorable segments of our show. <laughs> uh, let's, um, I mean, the, the grudge match. Um, <laughs> I, I guess uh, I love the fan art. I love a lot of the, 
I mean, the embedded, the, the countdown guys have been having a field day. They're just like, you know, he's not doing it. All these burning the photos of Jorge and oh Kobe. Oh my god, that's so cheesy. <laughs> and like showing the old like VHS footage of them wrestling in the old apartment with the inflatable mattress. <laughs> oh my god, it's like it's beautiful. Uh, yes, it's um. <laughs> Man, it's an easy day. Oh, you you know, it's like, what are we going to do? Oh, well, we got to get this one. We want to use that one. We definitely... I like the one. Um, They play that song from... Uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking on it. It's the one from Fast and Furious when the Vin Diesel's character says goodbye to Paul Walker's and oh, they, they yes, drive yes, off, yes. And see the you again. guy, he's singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wiz Khalifa. Wiz is on it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I like how people have made like the highlight of like their friendship and then it obviously like deteriorates but they have like that song playing over it oh man that's beautiful I, I yeah. just love the build up and Natalie I said that these are two guys who are making it personal you know you got Jorge talking about how like oh Kobe owes a lot of people money from losing in poker and you yeah. got Kobe saying Jorge we both know you're not paying your baby mama her alimony. And I'm like, bruh, let's just get to Thursday. I'm going to be there. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out if I like, you know, what's a good question that might stoke the flames just for my own entertainment? Because rarely do we get people who dislike each other this much. It's just going to be so good. And if we're going to. Oh, yeah. right. There's um, juicy questions there. Oh, I never I do that. I, I usually try to just like get something that'll get a good pop. And I think will give them enough and give me an enthusiastic answer, not necessarily an antagonistic toward their opponent mm -hmm. answer. But yeah, I mean, it's Jorge and Colby. Part of you is tempted to just like, you know, set the trap and see what happens when if they bite on it and go off, <laughs> you know. But yeah, um, like that time you got Dominic Cruz <laughs> to rag on, on dc bro that was <laughs> that was not my fault i know i know <laughs> people act like that's my fault it was not my fault it was your fault the question was not at all what he turned the answer like what the answer what he turned it into that was not the question <laughs> i gave him a chance to you know like raise his partner and he just <laughs> No. back to Jorge and Colby back to Jorge anyway, um, you know what what I like about this fight honestly um, the, the X factor around Jorge just look you have the 2019 he did and then look short notice however you want to discuss it how much did he know with Kamar Usman loses the five rounder gets the immediate rematch gets the opportunity he wanted gets essentially the cards to fall perfectly to run it back in Florida, and then he suffers that knockout to Kamaru. This is a guy who's been in the game a long time. I believe this is coming up, if not already, 20 years as a professional. Just um, at, at a certain point, you kind of got to wonder, okay, like, is he still going to be that guy? We know he's popular. We know he has uh, received his roses, so to speak, in recent years, yeah. but... There is no question that this is this starts to feel like a back against the wall for Jorge because it kind of feels like look it took you so long to get to this level you don't know about getting back there again if you have to do it at this stage for Colby um, a bit of not quite as drastic because he has had slightly more activity and looks slightly better in his title fights but the fact remains that 
at a division like welterweight where you got burns hamza leon edwards a step back at this level really is not what you want especially in a fight of this magnitude that really i don't care how good you look the stock gets hurt if you take that l and i think that that makes it so interesting stylistically i think that the athleticism of masvidal is the key factor uh when he's on and i think about fights like uh cowboy cerrone where he just lit him up mm-hmm. when he's on he's such a problem for these guys very slick great boxing great movement um we know he could take off my one thing i have always felt is that i felt like that 2019 he got so many good style matchups he was yeah. in hindsight he was a great he was just a horrible opponent for ben askren he yeah. was a horrible opponent for nate diaz now mind you has he done that you know he's had his moments and he's had some setbacks in his career stylistically when i think about it colby is a guy with his pressure in his wrestling that could give him problems if he can't get that movement going if he can't set you know control the distance early this starts to become a bit of a headache for him and then for colby really i think the biggest key is you need to take away that space and you got to whatever you do you cannot let him get a full runway on his kicks you can't get him let him get a full runway runway on his punches you got the more time that Masvidal is on his heels whether he thinks about the takedown whether he's defending the takedown um is best for Colby cuz any time in mid range that's going to be given him the biggest advantage to get back in there both of them proven gas tank Colby you feel like he's he could go a little harder in 5 rounds if he needs to but this is a very interesting fight also you got to think some stuff might happen just cuz they hate each other so much oh yeah that's that's definitely top on the mind here but i wonder because so much is on the line right you you laid it out perfectly there's a lot here for both guys to lose as far as status and place in line if they don't win this fight and then think about having to go back home and you know you you lost to the guy that you hate the most and such a public you know such a public feud and such a public loss so a lot psychologically these guys have to deal with when i think about the last two fights that they both had um both against kamaru the one who was more composed in my opinion was colby right he 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 didn't throw as many punches as he usually does He was almost a little too composed, but he stuck to his game plan and and uh and stayed the course. Jorge for me against Kamaru was too relaxed and I think that's what led to that um that knockout. He just he was almost trying to put on uh too much of a show for the fans, you know, look cool, hands down, smiling, swatting things away, and it, he paid for it. So what I want to see Jorge Masvidal is more focused still do him do his thing fight the way he fights the way you you detailed beautifully but he's just got to stay focused now is a the most personal grudge match we've probably seen in a long time in the in the octagon apart from DC and John Jones but they were never friends so there's something here where you got to wonder who's got more of a killer instinct but who has more of a killer instinct without sabotaging their own success right you can't go too berserker here um because you don't want to give the other person a chance to capitalize 
and embarrass you, which is worse than just losing. You know, when you lose to someone that used to be your friend that now you hate, it's true embarrassment. Um, I'll say this though, Colby has not really ever displayed knockout power. Does he have it? Probably. He just doesn't use it. He goes 50, 60%, 70%. He's the volume guy. You know, he just, he just peppers you with shots until the, the five rounds are up and he wins. Jorge wants to knock you out. So they got to find a middle ground here where they can both do what they want to do without totally shooting themselves in the foot. I kind of worry, you're going to say this is crazy, but I kind of worry that there's so much heat behind this that all the real excitement's going to happen before the fight. I'm a little worried that they're going to get in there and they're going to stalemate. But I don't know. Tell me I'm, I'm wrong, right? This is, this is one of those instances where there's not going to be a boring, uh, you know, standoff kind of fight, right? Right? Uh, right? I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> as you say it, I do. Could I see a scenario? Mm. I could say this. Could we see like a five round shutout from Colby? Just uh, lather, rinse, repeat with the takedowns? Yes. Could we get so amped up and then Masvidal catches him coming in under 40, you know, under a minute 45 and that's it after all that anticipation? Yes. And that's not always the most fun either sometimes yeah. if you've been waiting. Just like anything else, like. The biggest example, Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo. It's great on Instagram, but when you paid the money to watch it and that's it, you know, it's just, you know. It's like, (laughs) wow. It's like, I I didn't have to get the HD broadcast. (laughs) Yep, I know. (laughs) You know, it's that kind of feeling. And I do feel that a little bit. What I will say, though, I, I actually think that, um... If Jorge's going to get it done, it's because Colby pushed him to do, you know, Colby pushed him to that level that we haven't seen him take on at an opponent of his of Colby's level in a long time. That's what makes it fun. If Colby's going to do it, yeah, the way I've always seen it is offense varies, defense carries. And even a guy like Kamaru Usman, who's just become so much more efficient, guys like Justin Gaethje, you know, it's like sometimes they're getting you out of there quick. Other times, you know, it, it takes a minute. But the fact is, it's all about their decision making. And uh, coupled with their, you know, and particularly those guys, their physical gifts and attributes. I think that when I break it down with Masvidal, like I said, he's got a lot of uh, dangerous weapons. You always got to respect the guy with that much experience from a team like that with guys like Bo Nickel and others helping him grapple. I think, though, that so much of his game, he's got to worry about, like, the two things. He's got to worry about getting his offense going and defending takedowns. Colby is all going to be in his face. He's going to get in there like a car at the red light and just pedal to the metal. And he knows that. He knows his best route to victory is staying right there with Jorge as much as possible. So, yeah, could it be just a lot of, you know, Colby breaking him down over time? Yes. Most visually exciting? No. But you know what? That's on Jorge Masvidal to stop it now, right? So Yeah. <sighs> Are we at that time yet? I think we're at that time. Oh, yes. Ladies first. Go ahead. Okay. Um... Yeah, for all the all the ways we see this going and all the fears we have of it not going the way we want it to, at the end, 
I think Jorge Masvidal is just more of a killer. And he's going to find a way to win. He's not going to leave T-Mobile Arena losing to Colby Covington, period. Too much is on the line. Way more is on the line for him than Colby Covington, I think, even realizes is on the line for him, for his, for himself. So I think Jorge's going to get it done. It's going to take a while. I think he's going to KO Colby Covington round four. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of war, but then he's going to find his opportunity, and he's just going to – I'm sorry, not KO, TKO – uh, he's going to get him up against the cage, whack him in the head a bunch of times, elbow, knee. Ref's going to have to step in. That's how I see this going down. Round four, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, you know, I've been on the fence on this one for a while just because it's like, you know, you see that clip that I didn't see live of Jorge just taking flight and you're like, oh, <laughs> of course he could do it. Yeah. What are you thinking? But man, I feel like the the style matchup for Colby actually works in his favor. I think that the fact that he can keep that pace, that fact that I'm not saying he's about to win a beautiful boxing fight, but I think getting in his face and just keeping the little punches at Jorge is going to be the difference. I think the fact that he could do that, I think the fact that we've seen him take on some explosive guys and not you know get taken out really uh Kamara did catch him late but I think that his ability to do that is going to be the difference and so I I just think that he's gonna be able to crowd Masvidal and do what he needs to and so I'll say it uh, Jorge if he gets a finish I fear that we might see a super necessary like the Ben Askren situation (laughs) um and I don't always like that. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't. But I do think that... Uh, I think it's going to be Colby's night. think that he's going to... He's just... It, I, I will say one thing for all of the talk and all that. When the, it's time to clock in for work, that man does not cheat anybody out of effort in terms of his style. So That's the truth. I think that he's going to do that and he's going to get that dub. Uh, decision. I'm going to go yeah. five round unanimous. And mind you, that's saying that Jorge Masvidal is going to just be winging huge punches, just uh, go out on a shield kind of style fight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're split. So. But you know what? Both scenarios uh, are totally attainable. So we shall see when we, uh, when we meet again. For we sure. Right. I mean, it's been a long show. Uh, next week... Uh, Tiago Santos, Magomed Ankalaev. I'm sure we'll have a lot more news just from the way things are going. So I just want to say thank you everyone for listening. Um, best wishes, positive energy to everyone. Just uh, I know it's a crazy time, and you know you just uh, if you're tuning in and just want to hang out, definitely this is the place to do that. So I hope you enjoyed it. Natalie, take care, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the fights. We'll be back next time.